you should be creating your strategy based on your community. And if you're flowing in that direction where your community is guiding the strategy you design and then your tools are coming in based on that, you're gonna be much more set up for success, including figuring out that something isn't working in real time and being able to change that effectively in the moment than if you go the other way and create a, uh, you know, pick your tool, create a strategy that works with that and then ask the community to show up. What's going on, y'all? Thank you for checking out this episode of Group Thinkers. I'm your host, Justin McCord. And on today's episode, you know, I just realized uh, I said y'all. And so um, there are times where my small town Texas roots come out. Uh, ironically, they come out on the intro where I'm teasing uh, the conversation with Amy Sample Ward, who's not a small town Texan. Uh, Amy is the CEO of the nonprofit technology network, commonly referred to as N10. And I think you're really going to like this episode. Uh, Amy is uh, one of the queens of woo-woos. If you've been around the nonprofit technology network or NTC, their annual conference, you know that Amy uh, commands a stage and certainly engages a crowd to woo-woo uh, better than anyone or anyone at any other nonprofit conference that I've been to. So uh, Amy and I get into a couple different things. We talk about uh, fundraising, uh, which is a fascinating topic. We talk about um, just some different issues that she sees facing the nonprofit uh, marketing space in community and how to define your community, build your community. And uh, it's a, a quality chat. So uh, here it is, conversation with Amy Sample Ward. All right, everyone. Thanks for checking out this episode of Group Thinkers. Uh, it's me, Justin, and I'm here with Amy Sample Ward, the CEO of the Nonprofit Technology Network. Amy, it's Giving Tuesday. How are you celebrating? <laughs> well, um, here at N10, we are not necessarily fundraising directly ourselves. Our board is leading a campaign. Um, so I'm behind the scenes helping board members with tweets and posts and email messages and everything they might need for the day. You are, you know, you're, you're managing community. Like even today, <laughs> and we're going to talk a lot about that today, you are managing the community behind the scenes, and I love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, I think that's, I mean, that is managing a community, right? If you're out in front, you're not managing the community, you're trying to have the spotlight, and that's not the point. So very true. So very true. And community management is something that uh, spills out of you and your experience. Hey, real quick, take yeah. a couple minutes and just tell our listeners, how, how did you get into the nonprofit space and, and kind of your journey to uh, leading in 10? Oh gosh, my journey. How long do we have to talk today? <laughs> we have all the time that you, need, that you can hold your board off. Yeah, okay. so chapter you one. No, <laughs> um, you know, I've, I have only ever imagined myself working in the nonprofit space. I, um, you know, maybe didn't have the language for that prior to being an adult in the workforce, but always saw myself working in social justice and community support. Um, you know, my first 
job. I did not grow up in a house that had an allowance. Um, you know, we grew up, you just had to do those things because they were your duty to do. But my first job where I got money was going to my mom's office and she worked um, in a nonprofit and she would pay me to do all the filing for her. <laughs> so um, I remember being very good at alphabetization. Um, and very proud of that um, and got to see the clients coming in for the services that they provided and you know just that people always left in a better place than when they came in and that was really influential um, so all all of my work has really always been at that intersection of, of how what do I have to give and, and how do I support a community so through that journey, I've worked in direct service organizations, um, working in domestic violence support and safe shelter, et cetera. Um, and that's intense. And I learned that I am not personally made for direct service. I get, um, I get too, too connected there um, and worked in policy, which felt too far from the impact, and worked in uh, private philanthropy, which felt even further from the impact, um, and then found my place in capacity building, helping organizations of all different kinds uh, get access to tools, to resources, to, to learnings together that could make them more effective, um, and, and have done that in a number of different ways and, and found my, my spot here at N10. Well, and, and you, you know, you mentioned that capacity building, it's something that, you know, in, in looking at your background, you've been a community manager and a, a community cultivator uh, for well more than a decade. Uh, you're an author and, and I actually spent some time over the break and went back and reread uh, Social Change Anytime, Anywhere, which you, you co-authored some years back. And I got to tell you, there are so many of the principles from uh you know, your book five years ago that are still so very applicable to the nonprofit space today, specifically about yeah. community. Yeah, so, for sure. So tell me, you know, give me your definition of community and, and why is this concept so valuable to the nonprofit space as a whole, but more specific, why do you think it's valuable on the marketing side? Mm -hmm. Yeah, great question. Thank you for reading the book. Um, so I th the reason that this is even important as a topic, let, you know, we can get into the application of marketing, et cetera, is that I see words being used all the time as if they're all the same. And all these words mean different things. And the more intention we have with our language, the more intention we can have with our strategies and our decisions and the way we engage our community. So. For me, community means the folks that are directly connected to your organization, the people who have already given you their phone number or their email address, or they've you know, connected with you on a social media platform. Um, and what's important about that is that from a marketing perspective, that means you're not trying to sell them on who you are every time you're communicating with them. They get it. They already bought it, right? That's why, they're, that's why they gave you their email address or they followed you on Facebook or whatever it might be. Um, and I think oftentimes we forget that and think, oh, we have to really convince these folks for great. No, they're the ones that know. <laughs> Don't waste your time convincing them. Give them something to do. Um, and outside of that kind of community space is the network. Those words I hear used all, all the time as if they're interchangeable you don't get to talk to the network. The network is who your community talks to. So all of your 
fans on Facebook, when they share your post to their own page, that's how you reach the network. You give content to your community that is relevant and interesting and puts them in a position to you know, be an advocate for you or to be knowledgeable about a certain topic. Um, you put that on in their hands and they spread that message to the network. Um, what's great about that is again, you're not trying to know everything about those folks. You don't know them. They're not your community. Um, but you're also trusting your community to spread your content and share a message, which is the kind of relationship your community wants. Again, they don't need to be sold and convinced over and over. They want something to do. So giving them that thing to do and trusting them to be the shepherd of your content, that's really powerful and that can really help. And then the last kind of piece or ring, I often say, is the crowd. Like that's everybody else. And so often I see communications, marketing staff trying to come up with a strategy to go talk to the crowd. Why? Why are you trying to create a strategy to talk to people you don't know instead of focusing on the people that you do know that already want to be talked to? The way that, you know, something goes viral isn't because you somehow, you know, hit the, hit the jackpot of YouTube videos and created something that a bunch of strangers loved. No, when things go viral, whether they're videos or campaigns or anything else, they go viral because an organization just owned that they really knew their community and made something that was so relevant and great for them that they shared it and shared it and shared it. And then when they were sharing that, you know, back, if you're using your kind of mental image through those rings, uh, they shared it with their network. It was still so powerful that the network started sharing it too. That's how something goes viral because you just really focus in on your community and what they want to hear from you, what kind of content resonates with them, and you just build towards that. I had a wonderful conversation with a, uh, uh, an innovator from uh, the YouTube space, Mark Horvath of Invisible People recently. Oh, I love Mark. Yeah, Mark and I were Long chatting. Long time M10 member. Yay. Yes, yes. And he and I were talking about uh, helping people find purpose. And a lot of our conversation was around authenticity and how authenticity has risen in importance in, in the yeah. last couple of years. And that's inherently tied to, as you said, community and right. empowering those people that are connected to your cause or your mission so that they can go out and be ambassadors uh, to you from the marketing sense. Uh, and, you know, those are the folks that'll say, hey, that's not authentic. We know you as an organization and this thing you've done today or this video or this post, this doesn't feel like you, right? Um, so, so really just owning that authentic place, creating that trust and connection with your community so that they are, you know, a partner in that communication versus someone you're trying to, to sell. So one of the most incredible communities that I've had a privilege of being exposed to and becoming a part of uh, since my migration into the nonprofit space has been the intent community. And so oh, that's awesome, Justin. Thank you. Of course, absolutely. I want you to take a second and try, try, <laughs> attempt to describe the, the intent community. It's certainly unique and it's special. What makes it that way in your opinion? That is a great question that I think is like a, 
what's the metaphor, like an onion, you know, we could peel back all the different layers. I think at the core, some of the things that make the N10 community unique are that there is no single founder of N10 as an organization or this community that um, the organization was created to continue to help facilitate and convene this group of folks who were already trying to find each other and share information with each other. And I think because of that, that, that feeling of connectedness over anything else, you know, that it's not a competition. If we all can, can learn together, we will all be better. Um, I feel like I, I too have never been a part of a community that so truly represented that idea that a rising tide can lift all boats and that that is a world that we should be working towards, um, that there's not a, a hoarding of information, right? There's not a competition of who was the first to do something, um, but truly a space where people are there to help each other, to learn alongside each other, to admit and celebrate and shout about their horrible, you know, campaigns that didn't get a single person to sign up, whatever it was. Um, I think that makes it really different that people are, are so eager to share. Um, I think there are a lot of places that could feel like, you know, N10 often considered a, a professional association because it's folks who have a job and they're joining in, in the parameters of their job. But it really, once you're part of the community, it's not a professional association. You know, we have five different marriages that we know have come about through the community, people meeting at the nonprofit technology conference, et cetera, that there's folks who left jobs and joined new jobs and it doesn't really matter where you work. It's, it's a community about people first and it, it feels kind of like a family. It, it certainly is a family. It's a large family. And we're it's gonna a talk very more. large family. Oh my yeah. gosh. <laughs> we're going to talk more about NTC here in just a moment, but just kind of on this community thread, yeah. um, because it is so important, even from the marketing side, to be able to build and measure your communities, you know, so that yeah. you can be focused on audiences and, and working towards talking to empowering and appealing to audiences and seeing that grow uh, mm-hmm. from there outwards into those rings, as you discussed, that mm-hmm. that takes resources. And that's where in our conversations with a lot of nonprofits, they're unsure uh, where to invest because of the people resources, the, in the financial resources, the tech that can sometimes be required. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and I know that you, you have the, the privilege uh, as I do to get to spend time with a lot of very diverse nonprofits with, with different causes, but resource availability is something that uh, is common in our conversations. What, what would, what is your advice to nonprofits on, yeah where to invest to make the biggest impact in growing a community? Mm -hmm. Great question. So a few things I'll say. First, unless you are the Red Cross or St. Jude's, you know, some really, really big and established organization, you know, 99% of nonprofits, there is no award waiting for you for joining some social media platform before anybody else. Don't, like, there's no incentive. Please don't do, waste your time doing that. Always follow your community. If your community you see is 
all of a sudden really into video and you see the way that they're using videos you see that videos have become a, a thing that folks like to do at your you know your fundraising events your volunteer opportunities whatever you might have then you can start to pursue that type of content those types of channels etc but you don't need to try and grow your community by finding some new you know field and then setting up a tent and hoping that people follow you there, right? That's not that's not the point. Um, the point is helping and following and going with the community where they want to go. Um, I'd also say, just as we think about these resources, you know, something that N10's research has shown consistently for a decade now is that nonprofit staff report, they have the tools they need to do their job. They don't have the training to use those tools they already have well enough to do the job the way they want to do it. So I think there's also this common, especially in the marketing team, this feeling of like, oh my gosh, there's new shiny things out there. This other organization I talked to is using this tool I've never even heard of. Like this feeling that we're behind or what's the phrase, like keeping up with the Joneses. You don't let go of that. I'm telling you today, here's your permission to, to let go of that feeling and instead look at the tools that you've already invested in and how can you better train your teams to do more with them, um, to be more effective and efficient with the tools you already have. Um, once you're doing that, you'll be in a much better position to make a decision about, wow, it, we really do need something else and this is why and these are the things that we're gonna need it to do. Um, instead of what, what ultimately does happen a lot is organizations say, uh, this thing, like it doesn't do all these things we want it to do. Let's go find something that does. But the tool they already have does those things. They've just never really enabled them or know how to use them or whatever. So I, hopefully that advice isn't too totally complimentary. Um, <laughs> uh, sorry, contradictory and it's helpful. But really I say follow your community and don't don't worry about buying new things. Try and, try and use what you have to better meet the goals of your community. This episode of Group Thinkers is brought to you by the RKD Group blog. You might be listening on a mobile device right now, and if so, you can go ahead and open up a browser window and visit rkdgroup.com slash blog. When you get there, you're gonna find all sorts of resources tackling issues that are current in the nonprofit marketing space. There's channel-specific resources focused on direct mail, digital, multi-channel, and even omni-channel. There's also hot topics like GDPR, mid-level, digital media, look-back windows, and more. It's all over at rkdgroup.com slash blog. And now, back to group thinkers. Yeah, there's there's a whole lot of uh, noise in the nonprofit marketing space of some really incredible tools, right? And yeah. and and toys, right? Right. That can measure data in new ways. That can give us new insights. That can show you all types of numbers that you didn't even know you cared about. So many numbers. So many. Numbers. <laughs> So those tools, though, they're only as good as you're going to be able to use them, to your point. And so, you know, we talk with a, a lot of nonprofits about really just starting with a, a, a strategic operating plan. And when yes. you're planning your year, yes, we need to plan on the marketing side, our campaigns and our appeals and 
our KPIs, but we also need to have a, an operating plan or make sure that there's an operating plan to know what are the things that you have and how are you going to use them so that we can identify whether or not some of those new shiny objects are, are necessary or if they, in fact, do create efficiencies. Yes, I love that point. Um, and, you know, just to, to really emphasize that, I always tell organizations, you know, there's, if we went to the hospital and I said, oh my gosh, I just fell down the stairs and I've broken my leg, can I please see the plan that you have for stitches and for making a cast? Like, we would never say that. That would be absurd to think that the doctor and the nurse and the staff in the hospital have a plan for their individual tools. No. So why are we showing up and saying, here's our Facebook plan. Here's our Twitter plan. Here's our Instagram plan. Why? Those are tools. We need to have, to your point, an operating plan that says, these are the goals. This is where we're trying to get. These are the things that are important to us. These are the things we value. This is what we know about our community. And then you can make decisions throughout the year that say, to reach this goal in this way with the content we have, this is the channel that we're going to use, or this is the tool that we're going to use. Um, but the tool is coming far further down that list than at the top. This is where I raise my hands and I'm saying, preach, Amy, preach. <laughs> uh, because this, I mean, you, you, you know, this is about uh, strategy dictating the tools, not the exactly. tools dictating the strategy, right? Exactly. Uh, so yes. uh, you should be creating your strategy based on your community. And if you're flowing in that direction where your community is guiding the strategy you design and then your tools are coming in based on that, you're going to be much more set up for success, including figuring out that something isn't working in real time and being able to change that effectively in the moment than if you go the other way and create a, uh, you know, pick your tool, create a strategy that works with that and then ask the community to show up. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's, let's transition. Uh, okay. I want to talk about what, what you see happening in the marketplace. So yeah. with your, um, your reach, which is vast, Amy, I don't know if you realize how vast your reach is, <laughs> into the nonprofit space, what are some of the biggest issues that you see facing nonprofits today? And what is Intend doing to either combat, promote, yeah. educate on those fronts? Yeah, that's a great question. Thank you for the connection to N10. So, I mean, it shouldn't be a surprise after uh, kind of talking about this at the beginning, but N10 as an organization, we see ourselves here as a, as a support mechanism for the sector, not as an organization that necessarily is, you know, coming up with brand new ideas and then releasing them. Um, you know, we only want to create something because the community has a need for it. So because of that, we have a few different programs that we've created in response to sector needs um, and, and issues that are even broader than, than our one sector. So the first, um, and I say it's the first because um, applications are open right now, and that's the, the impact of digital equity, both on the nonprofit sector and on our country as a whole. Um, digital equity means, you know, finding a way where both the online world, uh, the internet, the, the products we use, the tools we use, are designed by and for and with folks that look like the rest of our communities, um, as well as recognizing that, you know, there's still over 60 million Americans in the U.S. that aren't online. So the fact that 
we are currently recording a podcast over the internet that we've probably, you know, used smartphones today that we knew how to check the weather with, a, you know, a single touch that we knew that, you know, our mail was being delivered because we got an email about it, that we can access education and sign up for healthcare. All those things are all online. Um, when we have 60 million Americans that can't do that, that's really impacting nonprofits' ability both to market to those folks, right? They're not going to get your email. They don't have an email. They're not on Facebook. Like, this is not a, a, a place that's equitable. Um, but it's also impacting nonprofits in service and program delivery because folks don't have the same kind of connection to participate. So to address that in, in a capacity-building way, we have a program called the Digital Inclusion Fellowship, which is a year-long capacity building program and we both educate and then have one-on-one -on -one coaching, um, a small grant for program funds, et cetera, to help a nonprofit staff person in an organization who, who serves uh, digitally divided communities to create digital literacy programs that fit within other service delivery they already have. Um, so we have, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to remember all the cities, we've got Cleveland, uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina, Austin, Texas, San Antonio, Texas, Salt Lake City, and all throughout Oregon uh, openings for that right now. Um, if folks wanna go learn more about what fellows in those places will be doing to advance digital equity. Um, another area of, of kind of intense dilemma for nonprofits, especially this time of year, is figuring out what they should be budgeting for, how to budget for technology, um, where they need to be making investments. And we've put a decade worth of our research and data into a free online tool called Tech Accelerate, which allows nonprofit staff to fill out an assessment. It's like prepare yourself. It's like 70 plus questions, um, but it's meant to be comprehensive. And when you get through the assessment, you have a full report uh, that prioritizes where you are weakest, um, where you may be vulnerable because of a lack of investment and provide some information about what those different topics are so that you could take that report to a board meeting or a staff meeting and say, you know, this is where we're kind of low. Can we can we focus here um, in this next budget or in our next uh, kind of roadmap? So check that out. It is a free online tool. Everybody can use it. And then the third that I thought would be helpful to highlight is back to that data point I shared before that we hear all the time organizations say, you know, they're not, it isn't that they need more tools. They just need to know how to use the tools they already have. So we have a few different programs meant to help organizations with that internal capacity so that they know how to make those decisions and they're not hiring consultants. Um, one is called Nonprofit Tech Readiness, which is a private cohort program. And the other is our Nonprofit Tech Professional Certificate, which is a public program. Um, both of them cover the same kind of core elements of nonprofit technology management inside an organization. So um, check those out. It would be great if there's content that you wish you knew or that your teammates knew that we don't offer. We are always open to that feedback and that's how we decide what to, to produce. So please let us know. Yeah, jump in and become a part of the community, right? Yeah, exactly.
the the thing that I really love about the the tech accelerate program in particular is you know as you and I were just discussing of devising an operating strategy that's a tool that can really empower nonprofits to do exactly that so that they can be prepared for a budget meeting or a board meeting or even just crossing the lines. I know it's weird, but at times, you know, marketing and IT may not see eye to eye or even see each other because they're in different silos within the office. Uh, These are tools that can help empower nonprofits and break down some of those walls to accelerate their marketing and fundraising and uh, their own capacity building. Mm -hmm. Yep, for sure. And, you know, Tech Accelerate, for example, you can have as many staff as you want inside your organization answering that assessment. So it's not just, oh, well, I don't, you know, I'm on the marketing team. I don't know these answers to program questions. You can add as many staff as you want so that you can make sure the report you get out of there is really as true to the experience of your organization as possible. Um, Again, so that you can prioritize really where you might need to, to boost your systems. Okay, so I want to shift gears again, and uh, something that I've heard you talk about a couple times, and uh, it it's it's odd for me to say that it puts a smile on my face, but it puts a smile on my face (laughs) to talk about fundraising, and maybe it's because it's fun to say. To say, yeah. Yes. So, what is fundraising, and uh, how how is fundraising relevant right now? Yeah, great question. So I imagine with a you know very classy term like fundraising that there's probably different definitions out there and different folks may have different views on it. For me, fundraising is as you can imagine when people are responding to um, you know the emotional, the rage, feeling angered, but they're basically responding to the news or to other actions happening and wanting to feel productive. And so they're, you know, calling for funds, whether that's creating an actual fundraising campaign or, uh, you know, something a little bit more um, lighter weight, like they don't know that it's going to turn into something big, you know, just going on Facebook and asking for donations to a certain organization. Um, But the key is that these are community members doing this. Fundraising is not nonprofits creating a campaign. Um, That's that is fundraising and nonprofits know how to do that and know how to, you know, use the news cycle for, for energy or use other things that might be happening, policy changes in their community, et cetera. Um, But fundraising is when individuals are moved to action from a place of, of anger and upset and turn to an organization that they, you know, again, maybe are already in community with, they, they trust, they know this organization, they know that organization does good work you know, against whatever this this news item is that they might be responding to, and they start fundraising fundraising for that organization. Um, why is it so important now? Well, I don't know if you have watched the internet, <laughs> the news, any sort of media, um, but there are things happening almost every constantly, <laughs> every day that are impacting different communities. And there are so many nonprofits who are 
positioned to serve those organizations or serve those communities that are positioned to address those changes or, or potential policies. Um, and community members, individuals are being kind of compelled to fundraise um, and to you know, start petitions and, and all the rest. So knowing that it's out there, I think organizations can do a lot to prep their community to be to be ready to do that, both in kind of traditional, you know, forward planning where you create some of those um, kind of ready to use images and, and content pieces and they're available on your website. So, you know, if you want to fundraise for us, here's some content to use, um, a little toolkit, if you will, but also in the messaging that you use with your community, that you are regularly reminding those folks again, you don't need to sell them on who you are, they know that, but they want to know that you are the leader. You are the one making change or supporting certain policies, things that, that you know they could care about because of the news, so that you are the one that's top of mind when they you know, get home from work and read the paper and are just ready to take action. You're the organization that they are connected to in their heart that they want to go out and ask for support for. Yeah, there's been such a rise over the course of this past year, especially in Facebook fundraising. Yeah. And to your point, like this is this convergence of community and fundraising coming together, yeah. not just around social issues, but around so many different missions and causes. And there's this, uh, there's this little glimmer of uh, opportunity for every nonprofit to nudge those who have historically taken action using their time to turn into fundraisers or fundraisers. Yeah. Yeah. Things like Facebook fundraising that yeah. can make a huge difference in advancing their cause. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, board members and just keeping a list of folks that you know are prominent and influential in your community. Again, that doesn't mean they have the most followers. It means that the followers they have always respond um, so that you can be right there. If something is coming up, you see board members or community members saying, oh my gosh, did you see this news? I can't believe it, that you're there again in the background to say, if you wanna start a campaign, we will support you um, versus don't worry, we're gonna start a campaign about this tomorrow, you know, stand by. You can just be right there to say, if you wanna make a call, we will give you an image, we will give you content, we will give you whatever you need. Empowering the community, right? Yeah, letting yeah. them be the star, because that's, again, letting it be authentic to their story, right? So, Last thing, and I want to land in the community spot where the you know where we started and and talk a little bit about NTC. Yeah, uh, it's it feels like it's going it's it's going to be tomorrow. I know today's. I know it does. Today. We just had a meeting today, and we said, "How is it already? Oh my gosh, what?" <laughs> I know Ninten and NTC is right around the corner. Uh, yeah. and it's such a communal experience. Next year, next year's event is in Portland. What can people look forward to? at NTC 19? Yeah, well, we have never hosted it here in Portland. Um, so we are very excited. We are working on a lot of self-editing because staff, you know, having the NTC come to our hometown, it's like, well, we need to get every single food truck and every single bar and every single, you know, <laughs> every single thing in Portland has to be there because we have to show everybody why Portland is so great. So we're working on not doing that. 
um, and having only an appropriate amount of things happening at once. Um, but there's a, a lot to look forward to. Uh, registration certainly on track to be another big year uh, for the conference. So that's about 2,200 plus people all at once talking about nonprofit technology. And that's also including over 145 educational sessions, over 300 speakers. Um, we've got an awesome keynote set up, Edeline Bobet, who's going to talk about that same world of, of digital equity and online inequities and, and um, bias in that whole world. Um, plus, remember, like I said, this, this is for the community. So a lot of what folks love about the conference isn't something that N10 plans. Um, we create some open opportunities for the community to kind of do what, what folks want. So every mealtime, there are uh, organizers who've set up different table topics. Um, if you would like to come and set one up, you can. Just let us know. Um, there are evening dinners that folks can sign up for and just meet a handful of new people and go out to dinner together. Um, there's, there's a lot that is just the fun side of it. Plus the official party this year is at OMSI, which is the Oregon Museum of Science and Industry. So you can go like do science fun nerd things in the evening, even after the conference. Um, but it'll be, it'll be really fun. It'll be a space for anybody who cares about this intersection of of technology and social impact, whether you are on a program team or a marketing team or fundraising team, you're an executive director, whoever you are, if you care about that intersection, you will find your people at the NTC. Yeah, we, we tell people all the time that, you know, amongst the conferences that uh, are available for nonprofits to attend, that NTC is at the top of the list. And certainly because it's in Portland, in your backyard this next year, uh, we're expecting nothing short of uh, <laughs> the, you know, skits from Portlandia and <laughs> pickling and all sorts of wonderful uh, Portlandisms to, yes. to be yes. all around. We'll do our best. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. Thank well, Amy. You so much for your support, Justin. Of course. Absolutely. I will be there with all sorts of flannel. Um, <laughs> good. Okay, good. Well, we won't be able to pick you out from the crowd, but. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Uh, hey, how can, uh, how can people find you on the internets? Uh, well, folks can find me or find N10. So I'll answer both. N10 on Twitter is N-T-E-N-O-R-G on Twitter and same on Facebook um, and same on Instagram. And of course, the N10 website. And um, when you're on the N10 website, you can click into the community and um, those are all free online groups, discussion groups, please join and, and share resources there. Um, to connect with me, you can connect with me on Twitter at Amy, A-M-Y-R-S Ward, W-A-R-D, or on LinkedIn or um, really anywhere. If you just search Amy Sample Ward, I'm the only Amy Sample Ward. So for now, at least. <laughs> for now, absolutely. Yeah. Amy, thanks so much for taking time to chat today. And yeah, thanks. It was fun. For sure. We can't wait for NTC next year. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye-bye. So there you go. There's the uh, the chat with Amy Sample Ward, CEO of N10. 
appreciate Amy taking time to chat with us, especially on a busy Giving Tuesday. And I love the conversation that we had around community. And for many of us in the direct marketing space, we'll talk about our donors and life cycles, newly acquired or recaptured transition, et cetera. And forget oftentimes about the community element, what this body of uh, believers are for our causes. So good stuff there with Amy. I mentioned you can pick up a copy of her book, Social Change Anytime, Anywhere. That's available on Amazon and other book retailers. Uh, Whatever app you're using to listen to Group Thinkers, I would love for you to go ahead and and click the subscribe button so you can stay up to date with the new seasons and new episodes. Uh, This is part of season one. Season two is already in production. Don't forget to comment on this episode and uh, you can connect with us. We're on Twitter at Group Thinkers. You can also follow RKD group on Twitter at RKD fundraising. So that's it for today. Appreciate you spending some time with us and checking out this episode of group thinkers. We'll see you down the road. Group thinkers is a production of RKD group. For more information, check out rkdgroup.com slash podcast. Special thanks to Becky V and the team for all the production work on this and every episode of Group Thinkers.